Goodwin and Ryan Curl. This is the MMA Unshow. Uh, welcome to the MMA Unshow. We're doing something a little bit different today that we may continue to do if we have success with it, which we probably won't today, to be perfectly honest with you. But uh, I do think that it has some legs. So there's an app called Locker Room. Download the app. It's really, really slick. Um, and we happen to be the owners of the MMA. It's called an Orbit. Uh, so basically the way that it works is people will join the room. They can hear live. I'm live on the app right now. It's running through the roadcaster. Pretty slick. Um, they can hear what we're talking about, which is great. But what's cooler is that we can add you in to be speakers as well. So we can then record what you're saying, which could be really anything. We'll see. I think we have the ability to boot you pretty much at any time we want to also. So for 20 minutes or so, and we'll just kind of give our answers as we go. And then if people want to join in, if people have stuff to say, we'll add them in. Um, but the question that we're posing, particularly this week, since we don't have a big event, uh, the UFC is off a week. So we thought broadly, uh, what's just a cool question that, that fans of MMA like to discuss um, and that is sort of sentimental and fun. So we said, what made you fall in love with MMA? So Ryan, why don't you kick us off since you apparently have an odd answer about what made you fall in love with MMA? Oh, dog. It's like a two-part thing. Like the first part is like the Kimbo slice, like backyard fights. Okay. I was like 12 years old and you know, I was like 10 and like I was at my friend's house and we were like Googling shit and somehow like the Kimbo slice and I think it was versus like Afro Puff like showed up <laughs> and it's like this big black dude fighting these two dudes in like this abandoned boatyard in Miami and I was like, oh, this shit is cool as fuck. So then like a few months later, I think that's when like UFC 10 came out, 2010 came out on like Xbox 360. That sounds right. Yeah, dog. And then like I would play that shit all the time with like Brock Lesnar and he would like hit you with the jab and you just go to sleep. Which was the most inaccurate game. I mean, the UFC game is now is really bad, but for Brock Lesnar to be jabbing people to sleep, that's fairly absurd. Yeah, dog. And like that's when like I actually started getting into this shit because I'm like, oh, dude, is Brock Lesnar actually this good in real life? And no. And turns out. No. He was not that great in real life. He was Cheeks. Hello, what's up, man. What's going on? Fine. Hey, Ryan, what's your headphones on? We got a friend. I'm great, man. How do I say your name? I T.A. T.A. Stop an anime character. Sick. It's an, often, uh, an anime yeah. character. Jedda knows what's up. Yeah. <laughs> nice, man. Okay, well, we're... Hey, Arian, can you start recording the video again for me? So you're an MMA fan? Yep, I am. Sick, man. What uh, what made you fall in love with MMA? We'll start with that question. Well, so, obviously, I think it was, obviously, it's a, like, obviously, growing up, I'm pretty sure we were all WWE fans, right? You could say oh, that. Yeah. I was. Oh, yeah. So, anyways, I think right around maybe going into, I don't know, maybe, like, junior high, somewhere mid there, my friend had told, had sent me this pride tape. And so, it was, like, in a, in a VHS. Okay. And there was a fight specifically. Yeah, I think it, it might have been uh, Merkel Crocop versus Wanderlei Silva. Oh, I love it. Crocop, Wanderlei Silva. I had never seen anything like that in my life. Like, it freaked me out. Just that leg kick yep. right to the temple. I was like, yo, what is this? <laughs> I don't know if you... I was like, what the hell is this, man? It freaked me out. And at that point on, I was just hooked. Yeah, man. I mean, Pride was particularly... Uh, 
it was a particularly unique experience, I think, especially for a non-Asian sports viewer. Like if you aren't, if you didn't watch Asian wrestling or, you know, any kind of arena things that were happening at the time in Asia, to see Pride for the first time was such a wild, wild experience. It was so wild. Like it was just like, because it was just kind of like free for all, right? Absolutely. You know? Like at, there was, there was even like, um, I don't know who it was. I don't believe it was Kid Yamamoto, rest in peace. But do you remember when um, Anderson Silva got like, like, like he got submitted by this like little Japanese dude? I don't. He got healed. Ryan, do you remember? He got heel hooked? Yeah. I'll look yeah, up. Yeah, he got like heel hooked. Yeah. It was like, yeah. And it was like, there was really no weight class at that time. Right. It was just kind of like a free for all. And I think UFC was just kind of starting to greatest traction with um chuck liddell yeah kind of in the forefront and that was kind of like oh okay whoa something's going on here in the states so the uh the person that he hooked him was Ro- roy rio chonan i do not remember this whatsoever yeah jet is not yeah, that, that, one, that one was a wild fight yeah because that, that was around the time i, I just been watching it and that was when anderson was about to cross over to the ufc yeah which was also yeah. a wild time yeah, I think I think he fought. Oh, I forgot what that guy's name, but he was oh, wild dude. I forgot his name, man. I don't even know why these names are not even coming up to me. Well, that's sick. But man. I would say I would say the fight that really got me sold was probably UFC uh, eighty seven, John Fitch versus George St Pierre. Okay, what about it? Yeah, man, it was just okay. First. John Fitch had no business even being in that fight after that. Because I was like, oh, okay, it's done. Okay, yeah. it's done. Right? And then he gets back up. I was like, yo, how the hell is he still up? Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just straight, like, butcher for, like, five rounds. I was like, yo, I don't even know how John Fitch even lasted in that fight. Yeah, that dude was made out of different stuff till the end of his career, and yeah. then his chin completely Yeah, yeah. I think, I think I think right after that George St. Pierre fight, I don't know. He just kind of went on the tail end. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say? Good. What's yours? So Ryan did his already. I don't. I wasn't sure if anyone could hear him or not. But Ryan, do yours again because oh. I don't think okay, anyone yeah, can hear, hear it. Ryan. Yeah. No. Mine's literally like a two-part thing, and the more I like talk about it, the more embarrassing it actually is. <laughs> Because it's like part Kimbo Slice because that was the first time I've ever actually been ex- like exposed to straight fighting. And I was like, oh, that shit's kind of right. cool. And then like right. the other was the UFC like 2010 like Xbox 360 game where like Brock Lesnar would like sleep people with the jab. And then I was like, oh, damn, this is super cool. Like I got to get into this. And then like I just became addicted ever since. You were really young when that I was super young, dude. I'm only 24. Yeah. Yeah, so was that 2010? Yeah, that's really young. Yeah, 12. Yeah, I was like 12, 13. Yeah, I guess I was probably about the same age. Yeah, because I think with UFC 87 too, I think my friend actually, yeah. So my friend actually got that because of Brock Lesnar. Right, that card. Yeah. I think he was fighting a uh, Heat Herring. Yeah, that sounds right. And then I think you are I think a, an encyclopedia, think, my man. Yeah, and then I think he was like he was about to fight. I think he had just lost to Frank Mir. He got. I know he got submitted. Yeah. Like Frank Mir. And then that he, was he got heel hooked also, right? Yeah. He yeah, he did. Yeah. Wow. Right. Wild. I don't even know when UFC 87 was, man. It might have been like 08, 07. 
Yeah, that it was sounds like about like that. It's oh, been a minute. Yeah. It's crazy how I was in high school. Has grown, though. I think it was 07. Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. How yeah. What about yours? What was yours? What got you hooked? I th- you know, I, I, I was like kind of a passive fan growing up. I was kind of more of a boxing fan. And then, uh, honestly, there, the Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz rivalry, like for me, narratives is kind of the thing that attaches me to something more than individual fights. So there are definitely moments to stand out, like Anderson Silva front kicking Vitor was a pretty formative experience in my MMA fandom. Um, but the Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell rivalry was just so compelling at the time to like a douchebag kid from right. western nebraska like me yeah. <laughs> and i was just like this is it man this is it had all of the fun stuff about wrestling kind of like you talked about earlier yeah like wwe it's got yeah. that sort of you know uh got that kind of um promotion aspect yeah and then with with real you know and at that point like especially chuck yeah. liddell like it he was a real yeah banger like he was a real hitter yeah, and man. before that it was a lot right. of wrestlers were just really really dumb and not to say chuck yeah. wasn't a good wrestler he was but he was the anti-wrestler who could finally keep the fight standing and, and hurt people on the feet and i mean he just starched people he he just yeah. absolutely starched that, that, people that, he that also right hand he also yeah. did a, got starched quite a bit oh for sure but that yeah uh, that sure. didn't hurt his for me that didn't really hurt his legacy because it was just like part of the thing you know what i mean like and he still became champion so it didn't really do yeah, but like that kind of like yeah it's kind of like the part of the enigma of you like ufc because these weren't like super strategic like okay i'm gonna be like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna control the fight based on points like no right. they were going for the kill yeah you know yeah and it definitely right and 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 the animosity between he yes. and tito was real it's very real it yeah, was very, very real. real. And that was really was the first time that I remember, like not to say that there weren't fighters that didn't like each other before. Of course there were, but it, that was the first time I remember personally being compelled by the storyline. And then I think once you're compelled by the storyline, like mm-hmm. there's no going back. You're, you're hooked. You're hooked at that point. At yeah. that point on, it was like, yo, like, let me see. Okay. Let me keep watching. Yeah. Who's uh? when, when did, when did WE start? Oh gosh! Because um, that wasn't like right around, kind of like maybe a, like right around the same time, I believe. Yeah, well, it was like a subsidiary or what? Like, a, yeah, I don't remember exactly how it functioned. Because I was more of like a WCW WWF guy. Because yeah. I'm older, probably I'm 32. How old are you? I Me, mean, I'm 31. Okay, yeah. So yeah, that's what I grew up with more like WCW WWF, and then I think I don't know when it became the WWE. No, because no, 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 I no, WEC was like. Oh, WEC. Um, I thought you said WWE. Yeah, yeah WEC was no, 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 right WEC. around that time with Faber yeah, and like Aldo right and around, such. Yeah. Because that was when I'm like, okay, right when I got hooked, I was like, okay, I got to I gotta keep watching these MMA fights. Yeah. And maybe around that time, I think Jose Aldo was starting to create some traction. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was champion and, around then. Uh, yeah. Who else was killing back in the WEC. Cowboy? Cowboy was killing. Rockhold was killing. Was Rockhold killing? Yeah, Luke Rockhold. Yeah, yeah. Rockhold was killing. Yeah, Luke Rockhold was killing. He fought... Uh, Uriah Faber? Faber. Well, no, right. he didn't well, fight. Yeah, he didn't fight Faber, but Faber, Faber was in. Right. Faber was killing. Who did... He had a really good... 
Rockhold had a really good fight with somebody in WEC. That, he might have been strike force. Yeah. You're right. Like, I think WEC Jock was maybe yeah. just small yeah, guys. Yeah. There you go. He beat Jock Ray in strike force. Uh, yeah, I was like, I didn't remember yeah. Rockhold in WEC. Yeah, I don't remember yet. Was WEC just small guys? Yeah, because I used to call it Tiny Man's Cage Fight. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it was just like you right. Yeah. And then that's when they were kind of like merged. Yeah. Yeah, and then but, the, the UFC bought them both. So that was fun. I enjoyed we it. We made a new friend. I hope he follows the podcast. Uh, we're going to keep it rolling in case anybody else wants to jump in throughout. Um, and I'll kind of keep an eye on it here and there while Ryan's talking and I'm not paying attention. So I like it. I said earlier, uh, no UFC this week. So we've got a week off. We did just get some sad news that maybe we could start with that, which is that Darren Till broke his collarbone. Big bummer. Big bummer. So what do you think? So if they can't get Big Mouth to replace him, which seems to be the go-to replacement for any fight that happens to drop off at 185 is to call Kevin Holland. Is there anybody else that stands out that's interesting? Because that card is a absolute disaster piece without that main event. Literally, the only other person I want to see fight is like Jared Cannonier, but can he make weight in like eight days? There's absolutely no chance. Yeah. Maybe they could do it at 205 because Vittoria is ginormous. God, but I hate that. I don't like it either. Because that doesn't tell me anything at no. 185. No, not really. But that is a fucking banger at 180. That's a banger regardless. I mean, yeah. Brunson couldn't do it, nor would Brunson actually take that fight. No chance. Um, Paulo Costa's too busy drinking wine. Yeah, Paul, Paulo Costa's probably about 240. <sighs> Edmund already has a fight booked. Yep. And I also wouldn't take a fight against Martin Vittori on short notice. Nope. Brad Tavares has a fight booked because that's a banger. Rockhold's not taking that fight. Weidman's not taking that fight. Nor would I want to see them because they would both get slept. 100%. Oh, fuck, dude. I don't know. I don't We're know in a tough spot. This this card could legitimately get canceled. It's it's that week. Like, it's Arnold like Allen, card. Sadiq Youssef is the main event now? It's a, uh, Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. That's, Seven people know who they are. I, I like both of them. It's a pretty cool fight, but... Yo, you imagine Sadiq Youssef in a five-round fight? Yes, he would fall like asleep. He would actually fall asleep in yeah. the fourth round. So let's get into the next thing that we did actually come here to talk about, which is one championship, which I haven't really watched that much of. I've watched, I don't know, maybe three full events. And I will say what I have watched has been highly entertaining. Um, from the Wikipedia page, if you're just completely unfamiliar with one championship, formerly known as one fighting championship or one FC, it's a Singapore... Singapore-based mixed martial arts, Muay Thai, and kickboxing promotion, which was founded in 2011 by Shatri Sityatong. I'm 100% sure I said Shatri's last name wrong. And uh, has some other former UFC people involved. Um, some big names also now fighting there, including Huge. two that will be on this card. Demetrius Johnson, the, in my opinion, greatest flyweight of all time. And Eddie Alvarez is also on this card. One of the most fun probably top 15, 20 best lightweights of all time. Damn, you got him that low? Dude, he lost his first fight to someone I've never heard of. Well, I've uh, heard of, but... He got his, like, his fucking eye exploded, dude. Like, right, the dude punched point. his eye and his shit like exploded. Being conservative. So one of the things that I really like about one in particular that makes it way different than really any other promotion is that they mix together kickboxing, Muay Thai, MMA... Uh, Muay Thai with little gloves, which is 
Sick. incredibly compelling. They're sometimes in a cage. They're sometimes in a ring. Uh, they're in different sizes and shapes of cages. So it's it's there's a degree of kind of randomness to the presentation that it's I think enhances sweet. the experience. It's so fucking really cool. really cool. So three fights uh, on the main card. And another thing that makes the, their events rather different is smaller cards, which is in my opinion much more consumable than the twelve or thirteen or fifteen fight. UFC cards that sometimes can get. You mean you don't like sitting a down at tedious five in the afternoon and then not being done watching fighting till midnight? I mean, I do, dude. I fucking don't. But many, <laughs> many <laughs> I do don't. <laughs> so in the co-main event, we've got Eddie Alvarez versus someone named Yari Lapicus. I apologize. Um, I, I don't really know what to expect from that fight because I have absolutely no idea about anything about this Mr. Lapicus other than that he lost his last fight by TKO. But interesting to watch because Eddie Alvarez is pretty much always must-watch. In the main event, actually, before we get to the main event, let's talk about Rod Tang. Dude. He's pretty sick. That motherfucker is sick. So Rod Tang is currently rated number one pound-for-pound pound, uh, amongst all Thai fighters on the planet. So... Uh, one picking him up, and I, I think maybe I saw he's only had like one or two fights with one so far because he's yeah, he so fought for the belt. He fought that, uh, oh god, what's that guy? He's American. Uh, he beat him by decision the first time, then he slept him the last time out. Whoever their like flyweight champion is, um, I'm blanking. Yeah, he's like tall, blonde hair. I I can picture his face, mm -hmm. but you can Google it, listeners. We love you. Uh, so yeah, Rod Tang is must see. Must see all action type stuff. I, I believe this is an MMA fight, though. Correct? I thought it was a. I thought it, I thought he was defending his uh, his belt. He's. I uh, think he's. I think Muay he only Thai. strictly does Muay Thai, dude. Well, I'm down. Daniel Williams. Okay, so he beat. Holy hell! I get, dude, that's what's crazy about Thai fighters is this dude's had like 30 fights, and he's 23. Like years. By the way, he has like 200 professional fights. Okay, Jonathan Haggerty's actually from. Great Britain, but that's who he beat. Okay, there you go. Uh, so yeah, Rod Tang is a guy. Just to get on your Google alerts moving forward for when he's going to be fighting. And these, I, I think I did fail to mention this earlier. So another unique thing about this particular event is this is the first one that's going to be on TNT. So it's the middle of the afternoon on uh, Wednesday. 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 We'll tweet it out. I'm pretty sure it's Wednesday. Um, but it's on TNT, so it's very, very accessible. And again, world-class stuff here. Also, we have Demetrius Johnson versus Adriano Moraes, who is uh, 18 and 3, and all three of those losses coming by split decision. So this also should be pretty competitive. I mean, dude, Mighty Mouse hasn't had an easy fight in a while. No, he really hasn't. Like, he has not had an easy fight. So. And that's a dude that ran over almost everyone for five years. But see, I think that's what's like... I think for the most part, like the general consensus is the best fighters in the, are in the UFC, but I think the small, like the best smaller fighters are in outside promotions. Like I, because it got to a point where Mighty Mouse ran through everybody in the UFC, but it's like, I look at, okay, do I think Joseph Benavidez would be a champion in one? No, I think he'd get his ass tore up. Like, I don't know. I think because like it, you can still be a specialist, and a lot of these guys are specialists. A lot of these guys are like naturally Muay Thai guys. A right. lot of these guys are like pure grapplers. Right. And like it somehow works. Yeah. So. I think there's also something to the fact that there's just more people that are smaller yeah. in that region of the world, um, which is why you see a lot of these Asian fighters that are 
just world beaters and they're they're little dudes in any even smaller weight classes than 125 Mm -hmm. so uh we think this is fun we think this is worth checking out again we'll tweet out the link for uh which gives uh, me an excuse to plug our social media so follow us on twitter and instagram uh we try to tweet through events and stuff and give you our dumb insights for what's going on it's fun times my picks are usually pretty wrong Sega. Yeah. I've got the case to my city. They pay my song for the ladies. If you and me no problems, ask about it. Ask about it. I've got the case to my city. They pay my song for the ladies. If you and me no problems, ask about it. Ask about it. Some time I'm trying to spend this uh, My tank on full is never empty yeah. You can tell the truth, make it loud of you uh, I got the juice to put a sampling uh, Way too up right now, it's hard to turn me down uh, Sliding in the coupe, shawty won't paint the town uh, Got the engine in the trunk, it don't make a sound Get whatever you want, shawty I'ma ice you out yeah. I've got the keys to my city. They play my song for the ladies. If you and me, no problems. Ask about it, ask about it. I've got the keys to my city. They play my song for the ladies. If you and me, no problems. Ask about it, ask about it. Trip ticket always running back. Ooh, let's rendezvous down at Hartsfield Jack. It's always space for two. If you say that you want it, you got it. It's all in the fine print. Gotta be flexible, that's my only requirement. Wanna see your legs behind your neck. That's suicide, like the doors on my. You know me, you know what I'm about You know the tag, play it out I've got the keys to my city They play my song for the ladies If you and me don't cry long Ask about it, ask about it I've got the keys to my city They play my song for the ladies Yeah, speaking of picks that were usually pretty wrong, <laughs> let's talk through UFC 260 for a while here. Um, all in all, a pretty pretty good card. Um, I I wasn't as entertained by it bottom to top as I thought I would, but the last three were all quite entertaining. Uh, so for starters, we'll talk about Alonzo Menafield winning <laughs> via Von Prue choke, which is something we did not 
for a million years. See, I think I saw it was plus 800 or something like that for him to win by submission. Well, even that seems like that seems too low. It does. It should have been higher. Probably. I don't think that's going to happen again, particularly by Von Prue. And it will only be referred to as a Von Prue joke on this podcast. ADCC Minifield <laughs> over Fabio Charant. Um, not a whole lot to really analyze from that fight other than that. Fabio apparently, got early. Yeah, and apparently Menafield has at least a semblance of a ground game. Yeah, I mean, it was like weird because like Charant was like trying to hold on to this guillotine and dude, when you're on your back, like laid out, let go of it. And yeah, I mean, have you not watched enough UFC events yourself, Fabio, to know that this is a thing because Joe Rogan will keenly point out that it's a possibility anytime that it is even remotely a possibility that Dude, Von, I think that's Von Joe's Prucho. favorite submission. <laughs> I think it might be one of his go-tos. Uh, so that was a fun one. Learned some new things about Alonzo Minifield. We were again, not super correct on our assumption of what was going to happen in that fight. Next up was the first fight on the main card. And uh, I, we weren't, we were wrong ish on that one, but I don't feel too bad about being wrong about Jamie Malarkey winning via beautiful lead left hook uh, at the 46-second mark of round one over Kama Worthy. Doggy shut his shit off. He really did. I didn't think from watching Jamie Malarkey's previous fights that that wasn't, or that that was a thing that he was capable of necessarily doing. No. I figured boy, like if he was, he. Yeah, I figured like if he was going to knock him out, it was going to be like an accumulation of shots, and it sure. was going to be this blood and glut. Blood and guts, like slugfest. Right. And he just like touched the button. That shit was over. It really was, man. It was, it was set up really well. Uh, and Kama's really no scrub on the feet. So, no. Uh, sky's kind of the limit for Jamie Malarkey. Is there any matchups that stand out to you that you've been thinking, oh, okay, this is a guy I would like to see Malarkey face next? Oh, God. This is fir- this is his first win in the UFC? I'll pull it up. I'm pretty sure because I'm like, dude, I don't. Dude, I don't know. I don't know what maybe Alex Hernandez because he's coming off a loss. But even then, I feel like Alex Hernandez may be too high for him. It's it's possible. From a matchup standpoint, it's super fun. So he lost his first fight to Brad Riddell, and that was a war that you he could do definitely a, won moments of. Then he you, lost his second one to Faraziam, who's not a bad fighter himself. You could do a him versus Moicano because Moicano's coming off a bad loss to Fazeev, and it's not too high. Like, I. I'm also not in the business of like trying to find out, okay, like where exactly. Sure. Dude, let's get this show rolling. Yeah. Malarkey is pretty young. Um, yeah. And I think you could probably still call him like a prospect. Prospect. Dish. So maybe, maybe somebody a little less renowned, maybe try to get him a couple more finishes and see if that's like a thing he can really do at the highest level. Yeah, dude. That's what I kind of sucks. So it was like how deep the 155 pound division yeah. is because i'm like dude i couldn't like there's so many fighters where i'm like i don't necessarily know if this would be too much of a step up in competition for him or yeah. if this would be like just right yeah but he is a guy i will say for being one and two in his first ufc a good fights, one and two a very good one and two uh so we'll jump into the se- uh, second fight on the main card miranda Van- maverick excuse me wins via unanimous decision over jillian robertson this fight went kind of how we thought it was going to pretty grappling heavy um, Miranda definitely outstruck her, used leg kicks, used the jab, set up the takedowns, set up submission attempts. Wasn't able to stop Jillian Robertson, but a fairly one-sided decision. 
Yeah. <laughs> Dog, I, I, dude, I really ain't got that much for that fight. Like, the fight was, yeah, it was what we of all of the fights, yeah. it was the one that we told you that maybe this would be the one to make. I texted Nick him. before that fight started. I was like, this fight's gonna suck, and I was kind of right. It was tough. It's it was one of those where it was either gonna be a bad kickboxing fight, like we said on the podcast, or it was gonna be a decent grappling exchange. But the the grappling exchanges were so one sided that it just it. It didn't really have the opportunity to be fun to watch, though it was pretty impressive, I will say. Miranda Maverick's just so much bigger. She did look a lot larger. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's just like a stylistically and how both of them like approach their grappling. Like it's real position dominant, like real control heavy. So like you weren't going to see a whole bunch of submissions where it would be like super flowy, but eh. no, probably not. Uh, Next for Miranda Maverick, I think she would get a ranked opponent after that. What's uh what's that chick that um Mackenzie Dern just beat? What is her name? That were like they I'm totally where it turned into a shitty kickboxing match. It's a good step up. I think she's only lost like one fight. And she's super grappling heavy. Or do you want to like test Miranda Maverick striking? Let's see here. Or you could give her like Macy Barber. Oh, Virna Janadroba or whatever her name yeah. is. Yeah. I don't know how to say her last name. She's fun and also a grappler. Yeah. Or you could give her Macy Barber if the UFC is out on Macy Barber. You think she she beats Macy Barber? <sighs> She's going to take Macy Barber down and beat the shit out of her. Hmm. See, Barber doesn't have a ground game, dude. Well, I'd be interested to see it nonetheless. Yeah. It's kind of that. a fun matchup. I mean, it, it all really depends. Does Dana want to like jump off the Macy train? Mm. Because I think Macy losing to Alexa Grasso is like, oh, we may be back on the Alexa Grasso train. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair point. Alexa Grasso looked fantastic. Yeah, she did. She beat the shit out of her. Third fight on the main card was Sean O'Malley winning via knockout 352 round three over Thomas Almeida. Uh, This was not one of our bets, but I I would say we we did kind of say this was going to happen. We kind of figured it would happen. I didn't think it was going to happen the way that it happened. It was interesting. I thought O'Malley had, but he was borderline master class. Oh, dude, he styled on him for three rounds. Like, he styled on him. Yeah. Knocked him down in the first round. <laughs> Have you seen the video that he uh, put out of himself watching uh, basically a highlight reel of uh, Rogan and Cormier, like, repeatedly talking about how he, he should have stopped him in the first round? Oh. It's pretty funny. I'll show it to you later. Oh, that's um, awesome. O'Malley kind of won me back in a lot of ways in this fight. Not to say that he had, like, lost me, per se, because I always liked him as a fighter. I liked him... Stylistically, he's super fun. He has all of the tools that you could possibly need to be a champion, other than maybe his literal Achilles being his uh, his legs. Um, but he seemed to deal with the kicks okay. Uh, Almeida was pretty gun-shy after the first round, which is sort of understandable considering the massive size discrepancy between the two of them and the fact that getting inside of Sean's jab is... Borderline impossible. Not to mention he was knee stomping his his Achilles or not Achilles. <laughs> I'm stuck on Achilles. Knee knee stomping his tendons in half. It was weird though because it's like Sean's so fucking long, dude. It's kind of yeah. it kind of reminds me of like Corey Sandhagen, where it's like, yeah. dude, how do you like effectively close distance without getting your ass lit up? Yeah. And Sean was making sure every time he would close distance, he would get his ass lit up. Yeah, and he did it in, in a lot of different ways, which I think made it more confusing. One thing that I thought was particularly interesting, I don't know if you picked up on this, was that um, Sean fought the vast majority of the fight from Southpaw, mm-hmm. which is, he definitely changed his stances a lot, but 
I would say he was in the southpaw position 80% of the time. Do you think th- there was a reason for that? Yeah, because, I mean, he injures – when he goes orthodox, that's the uh, – lead His leg. lead leg is the one he injures a lot. So I figured that one, he's probably trying to protect it a little bit. Yeah. Um, no, dude, but – God, dude, he looked fantastic. Yeah. He looked really good. And, I mean, I think Thomas Almeida had the style to make him look good, but I also thought – I honestly thought Thomas Almeida still had something left in the tank. Where I'm like, well, he could probably push Sean a little bit. And yeah, he, he, he really didn't. Would you guess that that is probably going to be all we see of Thomas Almeida in the UFC for the time being? Oh yeah, Scott Coker's got his ass on speed doll. Yeah, he's going to Bellator. That's what I figured. If he can ever learn to move his head, I do think he's still got a lot left in the tank. He's still a young fighter, dude. I don't know though because he's like a shoot to box guy. Yeah, and they spar fucking thousands of rounds. Like you've seen the old like Vanderlei like training videos where yeah. they're literally fighting. Yeah, and just trying to like knock each other out. So I really want to know how much of like his career is he left in the gym and how much does he have left? Yeah, it's it's honestly a little bit sad to see at this point because yeah. he's he's a shell of the guy that I saw just running through that division. Remember when he was 21 and 0 and you thought he was going to be a future champion? Yeah. Cody Garbrandt ended all that shit. Yeah. And then he didn't fight for what, like two years? Something like that. Yeah. It's a Henan Barrow type fall from grace. Obviously he didn't quite get to the heights of Henan Barrow, yeah. but similar in terms of its rapid trajectory downward. Dude, it's some small Brazilians. So what's next for O'Malley? Do you give him a top 10 guy? Do you give him a rank guy? I mean, I think you have to give him a ranked fight. Personally, me, I kind of want to see him fight Marab because I want to see him fight someone other than like a striker. And plus, I think Marab, I don't know. I think Marab's tough as shit, and I don't think Sean puts Marab away quickly. And plus, I want to see Sean with like some actual adversity. Or you could just do the fun thing and then have him rematch Cheeto, which yeah. that's cool. I don't hate that. Yeah. I'm not sure that Cheeto would sign for those. No, Cheeto just tweeted. No, no fucking Cheeto just tweeted. We can run that back. Really? Yeah. Well, that is very Cheeto-like. Fuck yeah. That's a possibility. I'm taking a look at the rankings right now. You know Um, who I don't want to give him, even though he wouldn't get this fight? Pedro Munoz. Pedro's going to kick the shit out of that leg. He's too high ranked as well, I I would say. I know, but that fight interests me too, though. Yeah, at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, Some other guys towards the bottom half of the top 15. You have Cody Stamen. Who would be interesting? I, I think it probably goes kind of like the fight that we just watched. Um, Cheeto's 15, so that doesn't not make sense. Kyler Phillips is at number 14. That could be kind of fun. That is kind of fun. He's uh, more of a stand up guy, but. Where's Marab ranked? I'm down for that. Marab's number 12. Yeah, just and do then Cheeto you have then. Jimmy Rivera and a Sun Sao and uh, Dominic Cruz ahead of that. And he's probably not ready for any of those. I'm not giving him Jamie Rivera. That's a big-ass muscle hamster. Yeah. Don't love that. Fuck it. Give him Cheeto. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. Give him Cheeto. Put it on the like pay-per-view. Book. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, well, close that book. If Sean wins, I mean, do they do a fucking trilogy? Not right away, obviously. I mean, who, but would, who would care enough to... Bro, yeah, but they make <laughs> stupid fucking trilogies all the time. Like, you're going to get yeah, like a trilogy point. now between like Pedro and Jamie Rivera at some point. First yeah. fight was close. Second fight was close. You're going to get a trilogy, even though, like, for the most part, I could go without it. I I honestly think at this point you might be able to do, like, a fight night headliner with him and Cheeto. There might be enough animosity. Run it in Phoenix. God. It's kind of fun. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if Sean's ready to carry one by himself yet. I think he needs I one more I think he win. has a big enough brand to do it. I think, that's I think the most he needs one question. more win. And then, like, we can start talking. To be, like, about deserving it. enough of yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I mean, not even fair. deserving, but just, like, 
if Sean has like another viral knockout, mm-hmm. then it's like, oh shit, okay, now we're like cooking with something. Because I mean, he I mean he looked fantastic against Almeida, but it wasn't like his viral moment like that he was like expecting, where he would just like blow up. I mean, granted, it wouldn't the have mattered what the fuck good. he did. Yeah, it was great. It wouldn't have mattered what he did because Francis, like Francis, would have outshined anybody. Sure. But, I mean, I would do him and Cheeto, put it on like a pay per view, like the third slot. Yeah. I like it. And then just go from there. Similar to this one. Yeah. So in the co-main event, we had Vincente Luque winning mm-hmm. via submission over Tyron Woodley, which was a little hard to watch. A lot uh, of hard. 356 of round two. One. Uh, Darst, oh, excuse me, round one. That's a typo. Yeah, because it was the first time Tyron's ever been finished in the first round. Uh, via Darst Choke. What did you... I guess what were your immediate reactions to, to that fight? Literally, my first thought was... Well, damn! At least Tyron didn't get knocked out. Like, well, yeah, but I mean, it, he was basically out on his feet. I don't know, dude. It was sad. It was sad because like Tyron actually came out there to fight. Like, it was like the aggressive Tyron, where it was like, oh shit, this dude could literally beat anybody. Like, it it was a throwback. But I don't know, man. Like, he 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 tried throwing that fucking. He threw that looping ass left hook, and then followed up with like that bolo uppercut. And yeah. Vicente read that like a book because Tyron threw it like two exchanges earlier. And Vicente came over the top and cracked his ass, and I was like, "Ah, oh, shit, here yeah. we go." Because Vicente hits could hit, hits as hard as anybody in that division. It's He's true. as clean of a striker as damn near anybody in that yeah. division. Um, and and then from there, I don't know, man. Like when he rocked him the second time, and then Tyron was like up against the fence, like holding it, and like looked at Jason Herzog. I'm like, bro, please stop this. Like, I don't want to see this man just get flatlined. But you know. I, I don't think it's a skill thing for Tyron at this point. I just kind of, I think he's past his prime. Like I yeah. think, I think like his fall from grace. Like I still think he is probably a top fifteen guy in the world. But yeah, if you're maybe, the, may, yeah, maybe. But like if you're the UFC, because I, I looked at his pay, and granted, I'd never want to be in another man's pockets. They paid him half a million to show. Yeah. Are you going to pay half a million dollars for a man who's not beating, fighting top 10 guys, who's fighting no. like gatekeeper guys or prospects? So like, it doesn't make sense from the USC's perspective. And I mean, Dana doesn't like him already. So, you know, Dana's looking for any and every reason to cut him. But I wonder, could he maybe go somewhere like PFL and do well? Could he maybe go to Bellator and do well? Like, what is, what is his reason for fighting? Is it for money? Because if so, then at that point, I'm worried because this shit's going to get worse. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, the one thing that I'm not sure I agree on is the skill gap because I, no I just saw a lot of, you know, when, when Tyron came in and when Tyron was very dominant in the division, not to say there weren't guys that could strike, but there weren't guys that could strike like Vicente Luque. He's something new, but he is also one of, of a handful of guys that, that are at that type mm-hmm. of level to where I, I, if Tyron's still making the types of mistakes and leaving the types of openings that can lead to the type of damage that he took in the first round of that, fight, I mean, he got hit with a lot of shots. A lot. Um, I just, it, it wasn't a guy, it wasn't a case where he was too tired to defend himself. Oh. It wasn't a case where he was too hurt from the beginning. I mean, he, he had to get himself to the place where he was hurt and it wasn't, um, and it wasn't as though he couldn't return. He was clearly returning, which was, that was mm-hmm. nice to see for the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and landing with a little bit of success. I think there was a moment where Vicente was a little a little rocked himself. Yeah. But you're, to me, the, the skill gap there for 
Vicente to then gather himself almost immediately and then come back with a counter shot, which is sort of mirrored the main event in a weird way now that I think about it. It just shows an evolution, I think, in the division that maybe Tyron has not been able to keep up with. See, I wonder, too, because a lot of Tyron's game is based off his athleticism, and yeah. obviously he's, I think he turns 39 next month. So I just wonder, as his athleticism declines, and I just don't know if he could actually change how he fights. Like, you know, where, like, you'll see guys late in their career kind of adjust to, okay, I'm not as athletic as I once was. Like, John Jones in that way. It's like, okay, I need to be a little bit more conservative in how I approach things and need to, like, clean shit up technically. I just don't know if he can do that because he's always been this big, explosive guy who can land one shot, power blast doubles. You know, everything is super explosive. Yeah. Um, And to that point... But he's an athlete, though, who is a fighter. He's not a fighter who's just a really good athlete. I would tend to agree with that. And and to your point, I, I think another concern that I have in hindsight is Tyron tried to force a clinch, was trying to create takedowns, was able to get the fight into the clinch against the Cajun, was turned so easily by yeah, a guy that is not known for his him. grappling. He's not known for his clinch control. He's a guy that just picks you apart from range and eventually tries to put you away. And the ease with which... He was able to grab an underhook and turn Tyron against the cage. I mean, Jetta and I were watching, and I was just like, that was simply too easy at this point, and that that gives me a lot of pause as well. I don't know, dude. I just I, I just genuinely want to know what his reasons for fighting are. Yeah. Because if it's like a money situation, kind of like where BJ Penn was like still – well, even BJ Penn had all the money. He didn't need to fight. I don't know if Tyron loves fighting. I don't think so. Yeah. I think he's good at it. I think it's kind of like Rumble. I think he's just good at it. Like, that's what he does. You know, he's been an athlete his whole life, and it's like, well, what the fuck else am I going to do? Yeah, I think you see a lot of fighters towards the end of their career have so much of their identity invested yeah. in in this thing, and they think, oh, well, I, I can get it back. I still have it. I can still do it in training. I still win rounds over good guys in training all the time. Like, I can still do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't have somebody that is honest enough with you to tell you your rap music sucks and you're not that good at fighting anymore... But what? It, but see, like that's where I want. I want to know. I mean, granted, because I'm all about fighters going to make their money. Yeah. Could he go over to like PFL? I'm sure he could, man. I, there's no question about whether or not he could get a contract with another one of the top couple organizations. But you, could you ever could see him being a champion worse. in he, another organization? I, I, there's. I've been given nothing over the last few years to make me think. So that Douglas Lima, no, no. Do you think he could beat Rory in PFL? No. Couldn't beat Rory. Six I don't want years to see ago. him go over at one. He would get his ass lit up at one. Yeah, oh, it's shit. for me. It's time. I think he's. You know, I, I tweeted out during the fight. I, it, this is a, a good time for us all to remember that Tyron Woodley doesn't owe us anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyron Woodley has nothing left to prove. He's oh. one of the greatest welterweights of all time. Uh, Easily was at one point before this losing streak, like we said last week debated at maybe being the greatest welterweight at all time was maybe a he win or trend- two yeah, away he was trending that way from being the greatest welterweight of all time so now is the time that maybe we take off our hater glasses that everybody loves to wear in 2021 and and remember the past a little bit and remember how good this guy was dude he was a motherfucker God's weird like, like back in dead. the day he's not dead everyone he's, well well 
so, some of them uh, ass whoopings leaving him like, <laughs> hey man, like some ass whoopings he'd be taking in there. Like, he don't be close. putting up much fight. But he, that's what like I think made this so much harder though, Nick, is because he actually came out and was aggressive. And I was like, yeah. oh shit, where has this been the last fifteen rounds of you just getting ran through? Yeah. And then just to see that, and it's like, fuck, like this. My man's can't buy a break. So yeah, I don't know. I. I think he's. I think this is the last we've seen him in the UFC. Yeah. So, does he have fights left on his contract? No. That's this was his last. That's fight. What I was thinking. Shit. T. Yeah. That's probably a wrap for Tyron. Mm. Sad way to go out. Um, speaking of maybe going out, hopefully not. Hopefully we'll see the greatest heavyweight of all time again, Francis Ngannou. <laughs> Man's jumping the gun on me. Shit. Francis Ngannou wins via knockout. 52 seconds into round two over Stipe Miocic, the reigning champion. Always bet on black. My goodness. There are not enough superlatives to describe the evolution of that man's game between the first time they did this thing. And, From January 2018? And Saturday. It was... Especially when he's only had like two minutes and like 40-something seconds of fight time. And we then. saw very little, which we talked about last week, you know. he uh, Yes, of course, he's looked good. Yes, of course, he's been winning fights the way that the great heavyweights win fights by knockout. But you still have so many questions. And then we get into this fight, and we have now so many answers. It's, and we still have remarkable. a shit ton of questions. We definitely still have a lot of questions. Maybe that's a good place to start. So before we uh, kiss his ass too much, which we will absolutely will oh do. Yeah, i'm about to kiss his ass let's talk about the questions that we still have so we we didn't see one thing that we said last week and we both agreed on was that if stipe was able to land early mm-hmm. that's why he was able to get the takedowns in the first fight it wasn't strictly a wrestling thing i think he actually kind of maybe banged francis up a bit mm-hmm. and that opened up some some time for the takedowns that absolutely. was not at any point other than one right hand that stipe landed that actually led to the end of the fight which led I'm him sure to slept yeah no real uh, great offensive moments for Stipe. Mm-hmm. So that begets the question, what happens if, if if and when he does get hit, then do the takedowns open? Which, against somebody like Derek Lewis, probably doesn't really matter if that's not the gonna next matter fight. At all. Derek Lewis is not going to try to take him down. He's not fighting Curtis Blades again. He's knocked him out twice. Yeah, that fight will never happen again. Volkov's not taking him down. So the one guy is the guy, the one we all want to see, John Jones. Old Johnny boy? But even then, like, I'm going to be honest. I don't think John has enough pop in his hands to, like, earn Francis's respect. It's like, possible. That's what it is. Like, Stipe cracks, and it's like, Stipe will earn your respect. Yeah. I don't think John's going to do that. No, I don't think so either. I think, I don't know, dude. Like, and, and plus, I, I honestly kind of think Francis is a bad matchup for John. Truthfully. Go on. Because if you go back to the first Gus fight... All John really does is like post and then like lean back a little bit. And he struggles with that. He struggles with guys who can like put their punches together in combinations. And John really doesn't and have, have a that. range. Yeah. To yeah. Range. And John's not. And I think a lot of John's success is down to his like natural abilities, like his natural tools. Like he's super fucking long. He's super big. Francis is going to be bigger than him. I think John's going to have an inch reach advantage. And John has shown lately that he can be hit. Mm-hmm. Like Dominic Reyes was pinging his shit up. Mm-hmm. And if you get hit by Francis, good luck. Mm-hmm. I agree. And f- to get back to the, the fight at hand, Francis showed us so many offensive tools that we've just not seen before. The jab was working. The low kick was working. Let's talk about that high kick. The high kick was working. I mean, and, and he did all of this work in six minutes. 
there wasn't a single second where like Stipe was having like success. Well, okay, like the half a second to land that right hand that ended yeah. up he ended up getting slept with like that check left. Let's talk through the first round first. So the first round, both fighters were definitely a, it was a little cagey. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I noticed is that Stipe seemed to have absolutely no idea how to enter within range. Just no clue. No. What do you make of that? What changed so drastically in just the visual approach of, do you think that was a game planning thing on behalf of Stipe to say, I'm going to actually start this one maybe a little slower? Or do you think he just didn't know what to do? I think he was probably super caught off guard that Francis wasn't coming forward. Yeah. Because I mean, like regardless of what Francis is saying, oh, I'm more patient. Oh, I've done this and that. Well, Stipe can only go off of what he knows. Yeah. And he remembers Francis coming fucking forward. And it's like, if you've watched Francis's previous fights, well, if you just even go off the Rosenstroke fight, as soon as Francis got hit, he was coming forward like a wild mm-hmm. man. So I assume Stipe was like, okay, he's going to give me an opening here to like get this takedown, and then we're going to like get shit rolling. Like, yeah. But Francis didn't do that. Francis was super measured. He was throwing leg kicks. And I imagine Stipe's probably like, what the fuck? Like there was like openings too where uh, when Francis landed that big right hand, mm-hmm. how he set that up. He double jabbed to close distance. He level changed through the jab to the body, through the right hand over top, and then it collided. And like you could see Stipe was thinking about the level change. Francis like pushes him off and then throws a check left hook out of the exchange. Yeah, it was gorgeous. And then it's like I at this point I'm imagining Stipe is like, what the fuck is going on? There, this is not the same dude I fought. Yeah, I agree. And the leg kicks, I think paid a pretty big toll as well because mm-hmm. you got to think that that guy a obviously kicks pretty hard if he punches hard he's he a pretty big hard. dude and b it was just an attack that stipe in almost all of his fights is not something he it's just not something you see a ton in the heavyweight division you see it stipe actually mm-hmm. leg kicks more than most people yeah. um and stipe to his credit was trying to land his own leg kicks but that was about it you didn't really see stipe taking a whole lot of risks in that first round which is it's a little unlike stipe yeah it was weird, dude. I, I honestly think Francis kind of froze him. I think so, too. I think so, too. I think the the patience, as you mentioned, I think the willingness to jab and double jab and triple jab with, with a guy that's that big and that's that long and that it's jabbing that well, that'll freeze anybody, especially mm-hmm. when it's, again, it's something you did not see in 25 minutes with this dude, dude in the previous encounter. You just didn't see it. It looked like a totally different fighter. It was, dude, it was so weird. Let's talk about the ending sequence. So... As aforementioned, Stipe actually lands by far his hardest shot and actually probably one of the cleaner shots. Yeah, after getting Mm -hmm. dropped. uh, Gets up again, lands that right hand. I think Stipe thought that he had Nganu hurt, which is this is the exact opposite of how I would have seen the end of this fight playing out. If Stipe was going to win by knockout, that's exactly how I would have imagined Stipe winning. Is is Nganu lands something kind of heavy on him. It rushes in with his hands Mm -hmm. down, gets caught by a left hook. Right. Well, turns out the table's flipped. Ganu lands a perfect check hook, was clearly not nearly as rocked as he kind of mm-hmm. maybe appeared to be. I think we mm-hmm. maybe are in a little bit of disagreement about how hurt or not hurt he was, uh, but completely composed himself, steadied his feet, and landed a perfect shot. Oh, it was beautiful. It was, even like when uh, Francis dropped him, like the setup. The uh, <sighs> walking forward, the walking right hand, left forward. hand. And it was just like picture perfect on the money, and then yeah. like, when they broke off like that, like semi clinch, Francis landed an uppercut too. And I think, and I honestly think it's just kind of like a human like reaction with, for France there for Stipe. When he landed that right, he was thinking, Oh shit, like finally a little bit of success. And he got overzealous and 
Francis shut his fucking lights off, dude. It's interesting how those moments go on to define fights. And, and really, I think that was such an interesting microcosm. I think we talked about this a little bit already, but it's such an interesting microcosm for MMA as a whole mm-hmm. because the decision that Stipe made there to come forward off of the hard shot and to try to follow up with shots as opposed to shooting for a takedown, right. which maybe that was his one opportunity mm-hmm. to change the complete momentum of the fight, to take over, to start to win a round. Right. It goes the other way. Mm-hmm. And he goes to sleep. Dude, that's like the fucking problem with like heavy the heavyweight division too. Like those small mistakes are going to get you knocked out. Yeah. Who beats him, dude? Like I genuinely. I, I don't know, man. I there's fights that I enjoy that I want to see. And I think that's why a new era of a new champion who is a true heavyweight champion. That's the one thing about Stipe is that we all knew that if you know anything about fighting, this is a cruiserweight fighting at heavyweight. There just yeah. is no cruiserweight division in the UFC. Uh, this is a guy that could easily make 225 pounds. This is a guy that could maybe, if he really leaned out, make 205 pounds. So he's maybe. fighting a 265-pound fighter. Just a different thing entirely. And it's something I believe that the UFC has desperately lacked. As much as Stipe was an amazing champion, mm-hmm. having a guy that is big and terrifying, it, it goes a long ways for that division. Well, it like, it's kind of like similar to the popularity of Deontay Wilder in that regard. Like a big dude who's menacing, who when he touches you, you go to sleep because everybody loves the knockout. Yeah. Like that, that's just what the draw is. Yeah. I mean, personally for me, the fact that like Francis is like the most wholesome, like lovable guy makes it even better because you're like, this guy's great. Yeah. I would love to hang out with this guy. And then you see him literally separate people from like this earth. And I'm like, holy fucking shit, dude. What is what is this man? Yeah, he's extremely marketable. He's great. Yeah, dude, UFC Africa is going to be dope. I'm Put ready him, for it. Izzy, and Kamaru on a card. So, as far as fights that we that we're looking at as possibilities, obviously the Jones one is the one that everyone wants to see, and I, I think we will inevitably see. I think people taking to, to Twitter. Well, we maybe we should have to start with the conversation about that. So, and, and this is something we talked about previously as well. John Jones immediately taking to Twitter and saying it's time for me to get paid, which again, I, as we discussed earlier, I, of course, of course, if he's going to take that fight. That is a, that is a scary dude. That is not, mm. uh, yeah. that is not your average opponent. This is John's hardest challenge to date. I think by Easily. far. So for John to say, pay me agreed, maybe not the best time because then you see the reaction to that be, Oh, well now you're scared. You don't, I don't think fight, John's very like self-aware and like aware of things. Yeah. And, like, but I mean, regardless of what I think of John Jones, I obviously think he should be paid handsomely to fight Francis. I think yeah. he should be paid handsomely to fight anybody. Yeah. When you're the when the president of the company says you are the greatest of all time, you should get paid as such. Yeah. And then Do you think his recent performances take away from that in any capacity, or do you think he's earned the right to kind of skate through on a few? I think he's earned the right. Yeah, I tend to Granted, agree. I don't know. See, I don't know if it's because I've heard the theory that, oh, John's just bored at light heavyweight. And I'm like, that's fucking stupid. Like, that is the dumbest logic I've ever heard. Or it's everybody's catching up to him in terms of skill. Um, I mean, this would be what the third generation of fighters John's went up against. Uh, yeah, arguably. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. like he went up against like the old, le- the older Brazilian legends who were like in their prime. He went up against his generation. Mm-hmm. Now he's up against like the newcomers mm-hmm. and like Dominic Reyes and stuff. You know, I mean, regardless of his past performances, John's never been defeated in Correct. the cage. Correct. Well, 
I mean, he did get his ass whooped by the goat, Matt Hamill. Neither here nor there. But no, dude, like, he deserves to get paid. Shit. Yeah. If you're going to fight Francis, if you're going to, because I think this could end up being a top three selling pay-per-view. Like, you're going to make a shit ton of money. Yeah. And and regardless of if John wins or if Francis wins, there's a star. I mean, obviously, John's a star, but this fucking sizzler, dude. Like, it, it... it rockets him into a whole nother stratosphere. Yeah. And what I will say is I, it, I, I do think we'll see that fight. I think we'll see the fight this year, but so. I don't think that from a marketing perspective, it makes necessarily the most sense to do nope. that one right away. Let's do Derek Lewis, who is a fight. It, it's a fight that is, I, it's not, not dangerous for Francis Ngannou, Shit. but if he is the guy that he appears to be, it should be a relatively easy fight for Francis Ngannou. Dude, but see, here's the issue, Right. Say Derek Lewis goes out there and sleeps Francis, which it can happen because Derek Lewis hits that hard. You lose the John Jones fight. You yeah. could still make it down the road, but it's not as big. Yeah, because we know Francis can like be. Obviously, John Jones is not fucking knocking out Francis Ngannou, but right. I think you strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, you make that fight. Yeah, you make it. I'm not complaining either way. Yeah, I'm happy. To I see just think either. like, dude, I just think that don't play with the money here. Just go ahead, and make it pay. Pony up a little bit more, pay John a little bit more, make this fight probably like August. Yeah. yeah August, July. Let's say that fight is made and Ganu wins. There is a whole host of other options down the road, one of whom we both really like in terms of a matchup is Cyril Gan, who's a guy who he's trained with in the past. If mm-hmm. you do a little Twitter searching, you can find their sparring videos. Their sparring videos, which are Cyril tags that ass up. He sure does. Uh, what do you make of that matchup? I mean, you know me, dude. Cyril's like my fucking the apple of my fucking eye. I do love some fucking Cyril gone, but it's so hard for me to fucking pick against Francis because I think Cyril's more technical. But the fact that Francis is like shoring up these huge like deficiencies in his game and with his like natural abilities, I'm like, dude, he just needs to land once. And if he's staying composed, he's going to land. And Cyril, Cyril likes to fight. He does. He doesn't mind getting hit. He's he's obviously more of a point mm-hmm. striker than Francis yep. Ngannou is, but he has the ability to put you away. Mm-hmm. He's shown it over and over again. He's shown it before he got in the UFC. Man, I think that is a fun, maybe a, a card in France. Fuck yeah, in Paris. Run that thing in Paris. If COVID ever ends in Europe. Have they ever had a UFC in Paris? I I don't know. Because wasn't MMA illegal in Paris for like a it while? It was, yeah. Yeah, so. Dude, do that fucking fight in Africa. Make that the you UFC that Africa, Africa card. Then you could throw like Izzy versus, if Darren Till ever comes back, throw that on there and do like Usman versus whoever wants their ass whooped by Usman. Just do that, man. Facts. Yeah. I like it. Well, that is about all we've got for this week. Uh, Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Again, as I mentioned earlier, don't forget to check us out on social. Subscribe. Do all the things. You know what to do. Cool. Love you. Bye.